After I graduated from college, I spent my first two years on the mission field in a tiny little village in the Andes Mountains of Peru called Cordova. And when I got there, I quickly realized that if I was going to reach the Cordovans with the gospel, then I was going to have to spend time with them where they spent their time, which was mostly out in the farm fields. Because the Cordovans are some of the poorest people in Latin America. They are mostly all subsistence farmers. They live off the land and they barely make any money on top of that. So their crops and their animals are some of their most valuable possessions. And it didn't take me long to figure out that while my shiny new college degree might have qualified me in the eyes of several American employers, in the eyes of these Peruvian farmers, it didn't qualify me for much of nothing. It took a lot of long, hard, dirty days out in those fields with them before they entrusted me with any kind of work. And I'll never forget one of the first times that a Cordovan left me to care for one of their animals. I had a man that I was discipling, and his wife had a little lamb. And in case you're wondering, his wife's name was not Mary or Maria, it was Rubila. But it is true that everywhere Rubila went, that little lamb was sure to follow. She would call it by name, and it would come running after her. And one day we were out in the fields working together, clearing out a field, and they, needed to, they brought the little lamb, and they needed to run back home to get something. And so they looked at the lamb, they looked at me, and I knew my moment had come. They, I, they, I know what they were thinking. They were thinking, surely to goodness, this gringo can handle pulling these weeds and watching this one little lamb while we run back home real fast. So they left, and I'm out there working, and maybe half an hour or so later... I noticed that the lamb has been slowly grazing further and further away from me, so it's almost on the other side of the field where I can barely see it. So I call out to it to come back, and what do you think happens? Nothing. It just keeps uh, munching along as if it's completely oblivious to my cries. So I start going over there to go get it, and as soon as it sees me coming, it takes off. So I start yelling after it, which just makes it run even faster away. And now I'm running full speed, holding onto my hat, trying not to trip over rocks and fall on my face. And, and we're just running, chasing. It's not a high-speed chase. It's a low-speed chase. But if you want to know how fast I am, it is slightly faster than a Peruvian lamb. Because eventually, eventually I caught it. And as I was carrying that stinky little runaway lamb in my arms back, all I could think about were these words of Jesus right here. The sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. You couldn't already tell. I didn't grow up on a sheep farm. I didn't take Shepherding 101 in college. And so I had to learn the meaning behind this imagery the hard way. But that wasn't the case for the Jews who were listening to Jesus speak these words. They were very familiar with shepherding. But even though they understood sheep, they still didn't understand Jesus and what he was actually trying to say here. And today, even though this passage is very familiar to most of us, if we're not careful, we might also miss what Jesus is really saying here. Because if we understand what Jesus is really saying here, it will drastically 
change the way we approach this new year of our lives. Look with me beginning in verse 14. I am the good shepherd. Now, up until this point in his message, Jesus has been intentionally contrasting himself with the bad shepherds. In contrast to the thieves and robbers and hired hands who don't care a bit about the sheep, Jesus is the true shepherd, the good shepherd. This is one of the seven I am statements of Jesus in the book of John, and this one is absolutely exploding with meaning. Kings in ancient times were often compared to shepherds because they would lead and protect and care for their people like a shepherd would with his sheep. You'll remember that David was the little shepherd boy who God called to be king over his flock, Israel. And on top of all these layers of meaning, Jesus also probably had in mind the prophecies of Ezekiel. Because in Ezekiel 34, God rebukes the religious leaders of the day, whom he calls the shepherds of Israel. He condemns them for putting their own interests above the interests of the people. The shepherds who existed for the good of the sheep are sacrificing the sheep for their own interests. And that's not okay with God. So God declares in Ezekiel 34, 15, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. And then in verse 23, and I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. Jesus looks around at the crowd. He looks at the Pharisees and he boldly declares that he is the good shepherd that Ezekiel prophesied would come. And they are all the false shepherds, the bad shepherds, the evil shepherds who will be judged and condemned. God's people, God's sheep needed the good shepherd to lead, protect, and care for them. And they still do to this day. Listen, the only way you're going to make it through another year in this crazy world is if the good shepherd is taking care of you. You need Jesus to shepherd you through the peaks of happiness and the valleys of the shadow of death that are coming your way. Whether it's a, a new bundle of joy under your roof or a new batch of problems in your inbox, you need Jesus to shepherd you. Let me just pause for a moment to speak directly to our non-Christian friends. I know there's more than a few people here today who aren't actually following Jesus. Let me ask you a question. How's it going? How have the last few years been for you? Because whether we're Christians or not, we've all been going through the same things. But the difference is this. I wonder how you sleep at night without knowing that the good shepherd is taking care of you. Because if you are a Christian, you know that Jesus is watching over you constantly for your good. The good shepherd knows you, and you know the good shepherd. That's what he says as the verse continues. I know my own, and my own know me. The good shepherd knows his own sheep, and his own sheep know him. The question is, what does he mean by know? Because anytime this comes up, people immediately want to start asking the questions like, well, do I know Jesus? How do I know if I know Jesus? Can I really know for sure that I know that I know Jesus? But before you start going there, here's something you really need to know. The most important question is not, do you know Jesus? 
The most important question is, does Jesus know you? Because if Jesus knows you, then that changes everything. Think about it. Jesus says he knows his sheep and his sheep know him just as, or in the same way that the Father knows me and I know the Father. What he means by know is this, in the same way that the Father and Son have eternally existed in a perfect relationship, totally knowing everything about one another and totally loving one another, that is how you were created to be with God, to fully know him and to be fully known by him, to fully love him and to be fully loved by him. That's what you were made for. And deep down, that is our greatest longing and our greatest fear. It's our greatest longing, and that's why we look for a spouse to be our soul mate, or for a friend to be our kindred spirit, because deep down in the depths of our being, we want to be fully known and fully loved for who we really are. But it's also our greatest fear, because we know enough about ourselves to know that we are not lovable. We know our hidden warts. And embarrassing sins. We know what we've said and done, and we're ashamed of it. That's why some of you are keeping this church at an arm's length. You don't want to become an accountable member. You don't want to go to a Bible fellowship group and open, about, open up about your life because you are afraid of being known. And the reason you are afraid of being known is because you are afraid that if people really knew the real you, then there's no way they could love you. If people knew everything you've said and done, you think there's no way they could possibly love you. But here's the thing. Jesus does. Jesus knows it all. He knows everything about you. He knows your past. He knows the worst things you've ever said or done. He knows your internet history. He knows about the skeletons in the closet. He knows those deepest, darkest secrets that you've never told a soul. He knows your flaws and failures and sins even better than you do. And here's what he says. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus knows everything about you. And he could not possibly love you more. The proof of his love is this. He laid down his life for you on the cross. Greater love has no one than this, Jesus said. That someone lay down his life for his friends. Jesus fully knows you and he sacrificed his whole life for you. If by faith you have come to truly know him and know how he laid down his life for you, then you will lay down your life for him. That's how you know if you've really come to know him. Have you laid down your imaginary rights to run your life and submitted complete control to him as Lord? Have you laid down your good works, the things you're trusting in, and trusted in Jesus alone as your Savior? If you're not willing to lay down your life for him, it's because you don't really know him. 
You don't really know yet what it means that he laid down his life for you. But when by faith you come to know him and to know his sacrifice for you, then you will gladly sacrifice for him. You'll look at your job, at your family, at your friends, at your finances, at your plans, at your hopes and your dreams, at your whole life. And you'll look at Jesus and say, Jesus, it's all yours. I gladly lay it all down for you. Whatever you want, no questions asked, not my will, but your will be done. So no matter what the good shepherd tells you to do, no matter what the good shepherd tells you to say, no matter where the good shepherd tells you to go, if you know him, you will gladly lay down your life and say, not as I will, but as you will. If by faith you have come to truly know him, then you will gladly lay down your life for the good shepherd and for his sheep. And because we know that the good shepherd fully knows us, warts and all, and yet still loves us and laid down his life for us, we will do the same for the other sheep gathered into his fold known as the church. So when someone in our Bible fellowship group admits that their life is really messed up, we don't love them any less because we know that our lives are messed up too. And since Jesus laid down his life for smelly sheep like us, we will gladly lay down our lives in love for smelly sheep too. And because we know that we are fully known and fully loved by Jesus, we don't have to be afraid of being known by the other sheep. Knowing that his love and acceptance of us cannot and will not ever change frees us to lay down our guard, to lay down our pride, and to be known and loved and prayed for and held accountable by the other sheep. When we know the good shepherd, we will gladly lay down our lives to know and be known and to love and be loved by the other sheep. But not just the other sheep already in the fold. We will also gladly lay down our lives for the sake of the lost sheep. Look with me in verse 16. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. Jesus was sent to gather the lost sheep of the tribe of Israel, but the good news is that the lost sheep include both Jews and Gentiles. The other sheep he's referring to here are Gentiles like you and me. It's all the non-ethnic Jews who repent and trust in Jesus from every tribe, from every tongue, from every nation. Jesus says he has other sheep and I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. The good shepherd is on a mission gathering sheep from every tribe and tongue and nation. The question that you and I need to answer this morning is how? How will he bring the other sheep into the flock? How will the other sheep hear his voice? And the answer is this. The good shepherd is bringing the other sheep from all the nations into his flock by sending his sheep already in his flock out into the world to gather them. The good shepherd calls his sheep to him and then he sends them out. And he sends them out, he says, as sheep in the midst of wolves. What kind of shepherd does that? 
Didn't he just say that it's the bad shepherds who leave the sheep to be snatched up by the wolves? You don't need to take shepherding 101 to know that sending sheep out into wolves is a bad idea. Whenever wolves go out to dinner, they want to order lamb chops every single time. And, and here in our society, over the past few years, we've tried to do everything we possibly can to avoid danger. And yet Jesus knowingly sends us out into danger. He sees the pack of wolves and he looks down at his flock of sheep and says, you are sent. How? How can he do that? Because Jesus is sending his sheep out among the wolves, but he's not abandoning his sheep to the wolves. Jesus sends us, but he stays with us. That's what he said. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And on top of that, he promised that not a hair of our heads will perish eternally. When Jesus sends us out as sheep in the midst of wolves, he's not asking us to do anything that the Father has not already asked him to do. That's what he said. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And if we are sent by the good shepherd as he was sent by the Father, then that means we will have to lay down our lives for the sake of his sheep too. There's no other way. The gospel is achieved by the shepherd laying down his life for the sheep, and the gospel is advanced by the sheep laying down their lives for the shepherd. If you know Jesus, then you are sent to lay down your life for him and for his sheep. And all the sheep come to know the good shepherd in the same way, by responding in faith to the preaching of the gospel. As God's word says in Romans, so faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. In order for the other sheep to be gathered into the flock, we as a church are going to have to lay down our lives to make the gospel known here and to the ends of the earth. Around here, we, we talk a lot about how we are sent, don't we? We've got a big old banner in the back that says you are sent. We've got signs over the door, signs out in the parking lot as you leave. We've even got it on t-shirts and hoodies. Pastor Jeremy says it at the end of literally every single worship gathering. So as we start this new year, it is imperative that we consider how we have been sent to gather sheep into the flock and where we have been sent. Where has the good shepherd sent you in 2022? Because you were put in a specific place at a specific time for a specific reason. It's no accident that you live with and next to specific people. It's no accident that you work with or go to class with specific people. It's no accident that you encounter the same people as you go about your life. You have been sent by the good shepherd to gather his sheep into his flock right now, right here in Madison County. And it is my hope and prayer that someday the good shepherd will send some of you to gather sheep into his flock in New Orleans, or Peru, or to the ends of the earth. To gather the other sheep, you're going to have to lay down your life. You're going to have to lay down your comfort and start that spiritual conversation with that lost coworker that you've been avoiding. Some of you are going to have to lay down the credit card so that you can sacrificially give to send missionaries. 
You're going to have to lay down some vacation time so that you can go and serve local churches and share the gospel in New Orleans. And some of you have to lay down some personal preferences. You're going to have to do some things that you normally would not want to do so that you can go and share the gospel in Peru. And some of you are even going to have to lay down this church that you love so much so that you can pack up your family and move to the ends of the earth to gather sheep into the flock and plant new churches around the world. How will you lay down your life this year to make the good shepherd known to his lost sheep? To encourage us as we lay down our lives and share the gospel, the good shepherd has promised us that his sheep will listen to his voice. The good shepherd is speaking through his rescued sheep by the power of his spirit to gather his lost sheep from all the nations into his flock. That means when you share the gospel, some people are just going to hear the sound of your voice. But other people are going to hear the voice of the good shepherd in their hearts calling them to come. And they will come by faith to him. And because we know we're sheep too, we won't be put off when other sheep act like, speak like, even smell like sheep. We aren't laying down our lives for perfectly groomed and trained purebred dogs. We are laying down our lives for sheep, dirty, stinky, foolish sheep. So we shouldn't be surprised when sheep act like sheep. We won't be appalled by their sins. We won't be surprised because we know, just as we heard last week in Isaiah 53, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. When we know that we are all a bunch of smelly sheep that the good shepherd has laid down his life for in love, then we will gladly lay down our lives in love for other sheep too. Jesus laid down his life for us, and he took our place so much so that Isaiah can continue and say, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, and yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. The good shepherd became the good lamb to save us, the sinful sheep. He laid down his life, and the spotless lamb of God was slaughtered on the cross for our sakes, so that he could take away the sin of the world. Then he took up his life again. And he called us by name and took us up into his arms and brought us into the fold known as the church. And now he sends us out. He sends us out to lay down our lives for him and for the other sheep. So that one day, just as Jesus says here, there will be one flock, one shepherd. His flock will no longer be scattered across space and time. But in the new heavens and new earth, all the sheep from all the nations will be gathered together as one. As Revelation 7, 17 says, For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he 
will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. When that day comes, we will never go astray again. The Good Shepherd will never have to run us down. We won't be sent. We'll be gathered. We will be with him and we will follow him wherever he goes. And we will fully know and love him, even as we have already been fully known and loved by him.